It is Monday, the 26th of October, in year of our Lord, worst year of the millennium, 2020, worst year of the century anyway. So it's nine minutes to midday and we are live to the platform on YouTube. I'm John Cadogan from autoexpert.com.au and I get Newcastle cheap for buyers here in Australia. Hit me up on the website for that, although that is not the purpose of this live stream. Look, it strikes me that I get all these questions, like I spend a day and a half answering people's questions by email every week, show me the other motoring journalist who subjects himself to this degree of punishment. Anyway, I kind of enjoy doing it because it's a way of showing individuals that journalism isn't all bad. You know, you can be a journalist and still sort of a vector for good, at least some of the time. And, you know, you tell the truth, people hate you, that is inevitable, but still, it's kind of how we're rolling. And I want to talk to you today. I got a really good question from a dude who's apparently quite angry named Richie. And I sort of subscribe to his anger on this because he feels as if he's been, you know, unfairly uh, singled out and fined for a minor traffic offence. And I'll just read you to the extent that I am able to Richie's email from four days ago. Okay, now you got to bear in mind, this is like 200 words long, not a shred of punctuation. This is like angry on the keyboard. Bugger that, I'm not using those full stops. I'm just going for it. I'm going to let him know. Richie's kind of like that. So here we go and I'll try and insert the punctuation as we read. Stick with me. I have owned a 2016 ST NP300, he means Nissan Navara, for just over four years. A few months ago, I was pulled over and booked for the tow bar obstructing my number plate. It is a genuine fitted Nissan tow bar. It was fitted to the vehicle when I bought it brand new. The police did not care that it was a genuine fitted object. I have not paid the fine. I've not paid the fine. I, I've had to go to court where it has been put off to 15 January because I pleaded not guilty. <laughs> yes, take that, legal system. I believe that it is Nissan's responsibility to notify their customers if the vehicle doesn't completely meet Australian design rules. I have emailed Nissan on this issue and they are pretty much just fob me off. Yes, they're like that. They are pretty much just fob me off. I've noticed that in a lot of emails I've had from people not unlike Richie. So they are pretty much just fob me off. Is it not the responsibility of companies selling products or vehicles to notify their customers, or is it up to the individuals to make sure a brand new vehicle is ADR compliant? Any advice would be much appreciated. The fine was $457. Ouch. And three demerit points. I'm representing myself in the matter to save money. Thanks, John. Massive fan of the YouTube channel. Well, no worries, Richie. And mate, I understand your frustration because it's been a cock of a year and an extra 457 bucks in donation to the government is probably not something you were looking forward to, anticipating, etc. And I get the underlying proposition here, dude, because nobody buys a standard car and gets the dealership to do their mad voodoo of accessorization and expects the vehicle subsequently to be illegal. And let's face it, in the scheme of traffic, what can go wrong? This is fairly minor. 
I, I mean, obscuring the number plate unwittingly is fairly minor, and we will get into that. But what I want to talk to you about, and hopefully this will be of benefit more broadly, not just to Richie, but to a whole bunch of people who find themselves in this position, either face-to-face with a member of the constabulary, who, let's not forget, is probably having a cock of a year as well. And he doesn't probably want to have this exchange with you, and he probably doesn't want you to give him any lip. And, you know, you get in this situation, he hands you the fine, you go... Thanks, dude. And then you've got to decide what to do with it. So let's look at this as an act in about half a dozen parts and deal with all the parts. So up front, if a car maker makes their vehicle unreliable, and let's just say that it keeps blowing the left rear taillight globe, whatever, you know, some problem of that nature, then it's absolutely your problem in terms of the traffic offence. If you're driving it police officer stops you and says, faulty tail light, here's your fine, you go, thank you, officer, I'm terribly sorry, right? Because the the fault, the legal accountability is with the driver. And that kind of makes sense because, you know, drivers are accountable for safety and compliance, if you you think about it, in a traffic sense. And not so much in an ADR compliance sense, but that's really just homologation with the rules for first registration. And certainly, if Nissan has been so brilliant as to design a tow bar together with the number plate installation and they mutually conflict with one another and the tow ball installation does obscure the number plate, then shame on them for doing a bad job. And this is evidence that you might be able to use in mitigation in court, but it's probably not enough to get out of it up front. So, you know, the first thing to consider, I guess, is... This is just an allegation at this point. You haven't been proven guilty. So the officer might be wrong, okay? Let's just hold that thought and put it to one side and deal with exactly what you say when you are stopped at the roadside because you've got to do a couple of things and principally you've got to play thinks and says, okay? Because you can't say what you actually think to the police officer who stops you. And If you're watching overseas, I have to say that being stopped by a police officer in Australia is a little bit different than in America, okay? Because in America, you've got to be polite. You've got to have hands visible, no fast moves. Officers in America play the game like they might have to shoot to kill, you know? They don't know, okay? And the proliferation of weapons over there and all that sort of stuff, it's a completely different animal being stopped by the cops in the US. So if you're over there watching this live stream, then Australia ain't like that. But you've still got to pass something of an attitude test, all right? You really do. And that means playing thinks and says. Thinks, are you really trying to be an asshole today, officer? Why don't we wait for your father to get here and we'll let the grown-ups sort it out? Something like that. I didn't realise they'd left behind all of the all of the height and weight requirements to qualify for highway patrol duty. Can you actually run with all that shit around your vest? And, you know, you can't say things like that, okay? Don't you have any real criminals to prosecute? Just don't say that stuff, okay? Say, good morning, officer. How can I help you? And when he goes down this track, what you have to do is you have to be polite. You have to pass the attitude test. But importantly, don't make any admissions, okay? Because absolutely the officer wants you to make admissions because when you do that, game over, okay? If you admit an offence, 
you've you've suddenly given him corroborating evidence. You've gone from allegation to you've admitted it. And that's a big deal, okay? Particularly in the case where officers are wearing cameras. So definitely do not make admissions, but be polite, you know, license, breath test, You've got all the time in the world and you're showing maximum respect for the uniform and the position he occupies. And you could even say words to the effect of, well, without admitting any guilt here, can I just make some alteration now at the roadside to make this right? Can I remove the tow ball? I had absolutely no idea this could potentially be a problem. So, you know, how about I fix this problem now and you can give me a warning and we'll all get on with our lives and then I'll do something about rearranging the uh, number plate installation on the car so that this problem never rears its head again in traffic. And you know, then the officer's got to go, you know what, he's trying to be reasonable, he's being respectful, I might just give him a warning, you know, because they do have that capability. But if you get the fine, just thank the dude for his time, don't threaten to see him in court, he doesn't give a shit if he goes to court, he's getting paid anyway, all right? And nothing can be gained by amping up the conflict with a police officer at the roadside by being a friggin' smartass. And... I've made a career out of being a friggin' smartass, and the one place I would not do it, and the one place I never do it, is if I'm having a conversation at the side of the road with a police officer over an alleged offence. And the next thing I would do here, okay, is I'd say to myself, well, the cop might be wrong, you know? He might be having a bad day. He might go, oh, that's obscured, you bastard, all right? He might be wrong. So, the first thing I would do in this situation, if you take the decision to fight it, as Richie has, is I would take photographs of that installation from a variety of angles with my phone. I'd get the fine and I'd get any other literature, if that's the right word, from Nissan about its genuine tow bar. And I would take it to my solicitor or a solicitor. Okay. And if you don't have a good solicitor, then what I would say is ring a few, a few local ones and ask for ones with traffic experience. Now, they're probably also criminal lawyers, all right, as opposed to the dudes who just do wills and, you know, conveyancing of properties and things of that nature, all right? And, and, and they're certainly not corporate lawyers. You want someone with actual traffic experience, and they often go hand in hand with criminal lawyers, all right? And there's plenty of criminal lawyers. It's not going to cost you a bomb, but it's probably going to cost you a few hundred bucks to get the advice about how to proceed. And you absolutely need this, because for most of us, we're stepping into unknown territory. And it may be that you could mount an argument in court that the number plate is not obscured and here are the pictures, you know? And if that is the case, then go to Snap Printing and take the phone and get a whole bunch of those photos printed and proffer your argument in defence of the number plate being visible, all right? But if your solicitor tells you that this is like a shot duck, okay, your case is a shot duck, you are guilty of this offence, and there's probably not anything you can do about Nissan and its decision to have the tow bar like that and obscuring the number plate. That's a battle that would cost you a great deal to prosecute and what would be the advantage to you ultimately? You're going to get the 457 bucks back and spend 20,000 bucks on lawyers to make a point. So that's not economically rational, although I suppose if you've got the 20 grand, then it's going to make you feel good. Doesn't sound like Richie does, though, because, hey, he's representing himself in court to save money. So there's that. I would, however, say that there is this thing in 
New South Wales law, and Richie lives in New South Wales, I checked, I stalked his postcode, and he's definitely a New South Welshman. So it's called the Crimes Sentencing Procedure Act 1999. And the thing you're really looking for in that act, you can Google it, is Section 10, okay? Section 10 is a really clever piece of legislation that is designed as a check and a balance so that trivial offences don't get prosecuted and you don't get, you know, life for spitting on the sidewalk or something. It's not that serious, but so the court doesn't take you to the cleaners over a technicality, essentially. All right. And it's available to crimes and it's available to all kinds of offences, including traffic offences. All right. And it allows the court to take into account the totality of the circumstances and ultimately not uh, not convict you, essentially. So no penalty. They'll record the Section 10 in the court's proceedings, but you'll get out of jail free. And in the case of traffic offences, this means no fine, no demerit points, no conviction. Okay, it used to be that the assholes in the RMS, like the road management mob that work for the state government, used to be called the RTA. It used to be that even if you got your section 10, those pricks would give you the demerit points like, yeah, you got your section 10, but here's your demerit point. So bureaucrats, you know, I love bureaucrats. I know you do, too. So. That's not the case anymore because no demerit points. There's nothing that gets recorded against your license. The fine is quashed and they just say, yeah, okay, here's your section 10. All right. Now, if you are fleeing from the cops at 180 k's an hour and you run someone down and kill them because you had four kilos of crystal meth on the passenger seat, then no section 10 for you okay if you've got the victim's blood all over you and the knife with your fingerprints on it and their blood is on the passenger seat no section 10 seems reasonable so it's really for these trivial offenses where there are sort of extenuating circumstances or evidence in mitigation all right so in a criminal sense it could be you've been pinged with a tiny little amount of cannabis on you okay and you've not got a criminal record and you haven't had any other salient interactions with law and order on the on the criminal side right and you say to the court hey this is the first offense i'm terribly sorry you got to you got to show the court remorse and it has to be genuine and they take a very positive view if you've subscribed to some sort of rehabilitation so you've entered into some drug counseling program or something like that and then you can present this total picture and you can also say but i'm a fine upstanding member of the community i have a family and a job and i pay my taxes and my rent and let's not forget that the court is used to standing up above scumbags. They see scumbags all the time who commit atrocities. You know, they commit assault and they peddle drugs to kids and they do all of this kind of stuff and they, they, they're just scumbags, okay? And that general rubric of society that comprises society, scumbags, they, set, they spend a fair bit of time in court. Judges look at them a lot and it's very important for you to identify yourself as not a scumbag, okay? Really important. And that's why, you know, Section 10 exists fundamentally. You just get this opportunity to say, look, I had, look, you've got to admit the offence. You've got to say, okay, guilty as charged, but in mitigation, I did take the trouble to fit the genuine 
item here. The dealership who sold me the car fitted the tow bar and I had no reason to suspect that it no longer complied with all applicable legislation. And I've been a good boy on the road. Here's my driving record. You know, I haven't had an offence for 10 years or five years or something like that. I'm continuously employed. I pay my mortgage and my taxes. I have a family who defend, depends on me and all of that stuff. And I wasn't intending to break the law. See, if you're doing 180 k's an hour in a 50 zone and go through a school zone at that speed, you can't say I didn't mean to do it right? It didn't just happen by accident. You intended to break the law. But in this case, I think Richie could mount a compelling case that he didn't intend to fall afoul of the regulations. And I know ignorance is kind of no excuse, but no intent to break the law exists apparently in Richie's case. So this is the kind of thing you do when you sit down in front of your own solicitor for 30 to 60 minutes. And that's going to cost you, I don't know, a couple of hundred bucks or something, but you'll get good advice there. And then if you are reasonably articulate and you fit the bill, you can say, well, I'll try and defend this based on you really can see the number plate. And if that doesn't work, then perhaps I'll make an application for Section 10. And then you've got to ask your solicitor about how to conduct yourself in court. It's always nice to wear a suit and tie, polished shoes, that sort of thing. I wouldn't be wearing my shocking T-shirt for that one. So there's all of these things to consider. But that's how I would get out of it if I was you. And I'd remember that thing in legislation. You can look it up now on Google. It's called Section 10 of the Crimes Sentencing Procedure Act of 1999. And if you're not in New South Wales, there's comparable legislation, at least as I understand it, in the other states as well, so that this check and balance on unduly harsh punishments uh, exists right around the country. And you should take advantage of it because, hey, you've paid all your taxes. You pay your friggin' rego. You pay your 50 cents tax on every litre of fuel. You pay your income tax, presumably, and all of that stuff. So this is a piece of legislation. It's not a fudge. You're not beating the system. It's not like how to beat Google's algorithm or something like that, how to beat the system. It is the system. It's just that if you don't know that Section 10 exists... How the hell can you use it, right? And obviously, if you've got megabucks to spend on a solicitor, then your solicitor can jump in at exactly the right time when your case seems to be going like all those lemmings off the cliff. And he can say, your worship, we'd like to make an application under Section 10, if that's okay with you. My client is a fine, upstanding citizen. He had no intention of breaking the law, blah, blah, blah. And then the magistrate goes off, and it is a roll of the dice. It's like Russian roulette. But hey, the uh, the upside is you could get off totally scot-free, no fine, no points, and the cop has spent you know three or four hours in court with you waiting to be called and not out there finding a whole bunch of other people for having obscured number plates when they could actually be getting onto the kinds of scumbags out there on the roads who kill people. You know, they drive on the way home from the methadone clinic and they break the speed limit and they've got no licence and they're driving an unregistered car and they've usually got an unrestrained kid in the back seat, right? These box tickers exist out on the road, okay? And this, at the risk of getting up on my high horse about this, this is the kind of thing that the cops and the court system 
really don't get on top of because they drive road trauma through the roof, these box tickers, and not nearly enough resources are marshaled against them. It seems to me that the biggest possible stick, like the 46mm King Dick slogging spanner, is brought to bear against you and I for the most minor transgressions. And I have no axe to bear here, right? I haven't been booked uh, for a traffic offence for more than 10 years, so I'm kind of cool with that, although I have had a couple of conversations at the roadside, which happily ended in a warning. But, you know, the bottom line is it's this kind of stick for the likes of you and me, and it's the smallest possible stick for the guy who's had 57 traffic offences. He's been disqualified for 10 years. and He's driving an unregistered vehicle with that unrestrained kid. It seems to me like that is just a slap on the wrist for him. And he goes out and does it again at will. And the only time they put him away for it is if somebody frigging dies. And to me, that's just like a massive law enforcement double standard right there. And I really don't know who's to blame because the cops catch these people, but the courts keep letting them out among us. And to me, that's just a fail. I don't know how you feel about that, but it is just a fail. Now, before I go, we've been talking about this for, I don't know, 20 minutes or something. The uh, bottom line here is I should probably just get into some of your comments because it is very generous of you to join me on the chat and, uh, yeah, I've got a couple of geniuses in the comments. I'm not going to read that one. How about Night XV? Night XV keeps, uh, keeps commenting. For those new rookies, <laughs> yeah, people who haven't been on the channel, Shitsville equals Australia. Retardistan equals USA. Sheep Shagistan equals New Zealand. Um, Euro Trashistan equals, equals Europe, obviously. So things of that nature. Yes, this is uniquely Australian, right? It's that un uniquely Australian thing where you insult the crap out of your friends and yet you're terribly polite to your enemies or your superiors. Have you noticed that? Like down the pub, you're insulting the crap out of your mates, but then during a job interview or in front of the magistrate or at the roadside talking to that police officer... Straight as a bat, okay? Super polite. So um, the Claw 70 says, got lucky with a Section 10 on drive disqualified. It was that or 10 years off the road. So that is kind of lucky. But why were you driving while disqualified? I mean, maybe there was a good reason. You don't, you don't typically get charged with that sort of stuff if somebody gets bitten by a funnel web and you've got to rush them to hospital because they're foaming at the mouth or things of that nature. You know, if you are saving the world or at least your little part of it, that tends to get taken into account generally. So anyway, I'm happy that was a good result for you. Section 10 is there for a reason. It's a check and a balance on the system. Chris Renwick now, who says, I saw a young girl riding around her bike this morning, no helmet on, uh, no helmet. On top of that, she ran a red light at a busy intersection. Well, I'd suggest that, you know, not wearing a helmet on a bicycle is abject stupidity because all you've got to do to cure yourself of the notion that that's a good idea is go to the traumatic brain injury ward in any hospital and look at what life is like for somebody who suffers a profound traumatic brain injury. And let's not forget, you know, all it takes to do that is to fall down from standing height. You know, if you're in a fight and somebody reboots you, you know, you get that left hook in the exact wrong spot. It's going to hit you on the right-hand side of the chin, going to disrupt the blood supply to your head. The lights are going to go out. You're going to go down. When that happens, your arms don't go out to protect yourself. 
And if your head hits the pavement, then brain injury, here we come. Bicycle's just the same thing with even more energy, right? And if you've got a brain injury, imagine the living hell that those patients suffer. There's a lot of brain injury in road and uh, road trauma, basically. Cars and, bi- and bicycles and motorcycles are terrible for brain injury. And essentially, if you survive the trauma, you can be left fully functionally, mentally, right? Like the lights are on, but you can't do anything for yourself. So whether or not somebody should have pounced on her and given her whatever it is, the 50 buck fine for not wearing a helmet, mum and dad should be consulted, certainly. And the risk is completely out of proportion with the quote unquote freedom you might experience by not wearing a helmet, riding a bicycle. That's insane. I ride a bicycle from time to time. You wouldn't get me on one without a helmet because I studied physics. Dominic says, uh, I was going so fast that the red light looked green. (laughs) You know, wave theory and all that physics stuff. Indeed. Indeed. I've gone that fast as well. It's quite uplifting, isn't it? Got away with red light, fine. Copped a speeding ticket though. Yes. Well, you do get that at relativistic speeds. I don't know how long the disqualification period is for relativistic speeds, but just know that your mass stays the same. That relativistic mass thing, you can't get to the speed of light without reaching infinite mass. That's bullshit. Okay. So don't make that joke. Relativistic mass is a physics con. Just saying. And uh, let's keep going here with some of this chat. Uh, GHS 77. I've always wanted to get to the bottom of GHS 77, who in the comments feed of every video, right up the front of the comments feed too, I must say, he always says, nice gay t-shirt John. Now, I don't know how a t-shirt can be gay, right? I understand the gay thing, and I understand that he's not making a value judgment about being gay or not, but how can a t-shirt be gay? Somebody would want to draw the dots. Join the dots for me on that. He says, stolen from an electrician, question mark. This is all GHS 77 ever says in relation to my videos, but he's one of the loyalest possible listeners, and for this reason, in the most platonic way, I do love him. Pat O'Brien says, Heavy rain in the knee of Sid and watching tradies driving like they are in the Portuguese Grand Prix. Late breaking, cutting in, watched one completely lose it on a roundabout. Stay safe, everyone. You see, this is the thing about driving in Australia. Tradies, and not all tradies are like this. Some tradies are completely reasonable, but they... um, They do have a reputation for driving aggressively in their utes, which handle like buckets of shit at the best of times, but especially in the wet. And I say that as the proud owner of a dual cab ute, which handles comparatively like a bucket of shit in the wet, right? So I get the lose it on roundabouts, but I don't get the elimination of safety margins. And part of it is the Australian thing, right? Because we're not really that used to driving in the wet. It's been ages since most of us have driven in the wet. And then when it's wet, we go, ah, she'll be right. Uh, whereas if you go to the United Kingdom or somewhere traditionally wet like that, they do actually slow down and maintain better safety margins because they're kind of used to it. They get more exposure to what can go horribly wrong, I suppose. Uh, Jacoby Dunn says maybe he thinks the shirt belongs to someone who drives one of those Mercedes Benzes. Yes, perhaps he does. Uh, Who knows? Who knows what GHS 77 actually thinks? Who knows if he actually thinks? Certainly not me. 
NightXV says, I've been seeing that gay t-shirt comment for years. Yes, I know. It's been happening for years. I don't know what he gets out of it. I, I could never do that. Like, who has time? Who has the time to wait for a new video to drop and then say that? Uh, Forbin Colossus, which sounds like a fake name to me, says... John, whose transmissions are best avoided when shopping for a used car? Unequivocally, I could suggest that most DSGs are bad, but in particular, the Ford power shit, in particular, the one with the dry clutch. That would have to be the worst transmission on record, followed closely by any CVT from Jatco, which is the transmission manufacturer that's 75% Nissan owned. So... What I'd be really doing there is I'd be taking whatever car I thought about buying and I'd be taking it to a mechanic I trusted in the used market and I'd be getting a full diagnosis in relation to the health and also red flags for any big problems that these vehicles have. Because, you know, if you're looking at a big problem at 100,000 Ks for vehicle X and you're looking at buying vehicle X for 80,000 Ks, then you're looking down the barrel of a disaster, I'd suggest, and you'd better you'd be better spending 180 bucks on finding the disaster now than being down the track and looking at, you know, 15 grand for the restitution, particularly if that car's only worth 10 at that time. So Lachlan Cook says, John, I want to replace my 07 Lexus LS in the next year or so. I'm considering new LS and the new Genesis G80. I'm worried about run flat tires in the LS Will the G80 be the same? Any advice, please? I don't know about the tyre spec on the G80, but what I do know is it'll be a pretty flash car, and a lot rides on G80 for Genesis in Australia, and the new G70 as well, and also the GV80, the SUV. So they would want to get all that stuff right, and I'd suggest that run flats are a bit of a bastard, because although you can drive on them uh, when the tyre has a puncture, the downside is they're a throwaway after that, and the cost is extortionate. It's like six or seven hundred bucks a corner. So that's a reasonable uh, that's a reasonable concern. Probably more of a worry, I think, Lachlan, if you live in the country. Whereas if you live in the city, then how often are you really getting flats? You know, when was the last time you got a flat? And therefore, you have to put this concern in perspective. But I'd suggest that both Lexus and Genesis, their unique selling proposition is that they're going to do an excellent job for you on customer support in the way perhaps that Mercedes-Benz and Audi would not. And this is an easy win for both of these brands, right? Because they're still trying to do the conquest thing on the premium German brands. They can't compete with a cachet thing. You know, the cachet thing is not up there, but they can certainly make you feel good about owning the pro their product. And that's certainly what they do. Now, uh, lastly, just before I sign off, Wayne Ott says, police officers are human. That is true. They are. And they're as diverse as the rest of us as well. There are some great ones and some assholes and plenty of people in between. He says, as a retired one, I know. Well, thank you very much for your service, Wayne. And one of the things I didn't point out there, and I mean this most sincerely, in respect of police officers in New South Wales, in Australia generally, and around the world, is that I don't know how you do the job that you do because many of us, you know, who consider ourselves to be reasonably law-abiding citizens of the community, we only ever interact with you at the roadside. 
And that's typically a pretty negative interaction, but at other times when you really need police officers, if you're a victim or if you need support or something of that nature, and the confronting situations you dudes have to attend, right? Thank you very much for your service, and I mean that most sincerely. And I think most of us law-abiding citizens get a skewed perspective of what the cops are because of our interactions cumulatively over our lives at the roadside, whereas in homicide and, you know, in the detectives and, you know, keeping the drug problem sort of more or less under control and all other kinds of policing against organised crime and things of that nature, you guys do a kick-ass job and you have my unmitigated respect for doing it. So thank you very much. Wayne goes on and says, when stopped, if people are reasonable and rational, they will be treated the same. Make a reasonable argument and don't become angry and demanding. Yeah, Absolutely. Be polite and respectful, but don't fall all over yourself to make admissions is what my default advice to people is in relation to this kind of thing. Uh, Senator Music says, I was a Mercedes worshipper, but now I see my error. My false God betrayed me. That is so true. You know, there's two kinds of people for all these brands, Mercedes-Benz, Jeep, brands like that. There's the big part of the customer base who never have problems and they're in love. Like it's, it's full-blown infatuation, right? And then for the people who do have a problem and they go down this track of betrayal, this is just like coming home and finding your missus in bed with the pool maintenance dude, like a bad pornographic movie theme, isn't it? You know, this is betrayal writ large and it is a big deal right? So you get this small but vocal minority of former owners and current owners in down this rabbit hole of having a problem, and it's really bad for them. Now, uh, Ragnar, unpronounceable, but, you know, obviously Swedish or, you know, some sort of Norse name ending in cajoled, says, the law is tyranny now, and pigs are criminal dogs for the corrupt government. Those medications you're on, Ragnar, no longer that effective, mate. Imagine what society would be like without the cops. Imagine what society would be like without a framework of law and order. And I will be the first person to admit that the cops are not perfect as an institution and they do contain assholes in their ranks. And law and order is not perfect as an institution either. But it's certainly better than the alternative, isn't it? Like, come on, like... You know, the evidence of your senses must tell you that. And if not, then just see a psychiatrist because they've got unlimited medications they can prescribe so that normal programming is resumed for you and you can tune back in to reality, dude. Dane Sweeney now, just to end off. Recently watched your video on running in a new car with interest. How does one apply the principle of varying one's revs with a new CVT equipped car? Okay, with CVTs, they still rev up and down, but they they change the gearing so that the engine can be operating at the revs required for the performance, okay? That doesn't mean that in normal driving, the load and the revs won't change. So I would just drive normally. My default advice, all right, for running in any new car is just drive normally, okay? Don't drive too hard. Don't drive too soft. Start a bit gentle for the first couple of hundred Ks and then drive somewhat more assertively over the next 800 to 1,000 Ks. And by 1,500, the job will be done. Definitely don't take it too easy. Don't go out on the highway and just do 100 Ks an hour for 10 hours. That's kind of bad. So 
vary the revs, stop at red lights, take off a little bit, cruise a little bit. Varying the load is just as important as varying the revs. So accelerating away, coasting for a bit, cruising for a bit, that's all really important with a new car. But, you know, engines do come in partly run in from the factory kind of thing. So anyway, we have been going for quite some time now. And I really did just want to cover off that whole business on, you know, how to beat a a fine if you think there's merit in your argument. And you do want to be aware of that. Just one more reminder on that. It's called Section 10 of the Crimes Sentencing Procedure Act of 1999 in New South Wales. In other states, you'll have to consult your solicitor to find out exactly what that is. But that's exactly how it rolls here. And if you're watching, you know, in some far-flung destination internationally, I really can't help you on that. But I hope a similar check and balance pertains. All right, it's just coming up for 20 on Monday the 26th of October. Hopefully that's half an hour for lunch for you where you've been able to take your mind off allegedly working from home. And don't forget, I will be live again throughout the week doing these one-off sort of questions because that's kind of fun, at least for me. And hopefully it provides some value to you. And of course, your 100% ad-libbed Q&A off the chat this Thursday and every Thursday at 8.30pm Sydney time. I'm John Cadogan. Thank you very much for your company. I'll see you next time.